Hi everyone, welcome to this new episode of Let's Chat Politics. I am Elliot, your host, and today's episode is going to be focused on Lebanon, Lebanese politics, and the crisis that the country is going through. I have a very special guest today. My friend Lara is here. Hello everyone. Hello Lara, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, Lara is in my class, she's Lebanese, and she has been working closely with Lebanese politics. <laughs> Before we dive into the subject, can you please give us a brief introduction of yourself and why you're interested in the Middle East and Lebanon in particular? So hello everybody, my name is Lara and I am a third year KCL student studying politics. The topics I'm mostly interested in are international relations, but also post-colonial theory and the political effects of climate change. And I try to focus my work on Middle Eastern geopolitical conflicts as much as I can. I am also the marketing director of the Politics Society, which means that I have to see Elliot quite often. Yes, we act like we're not friends, but in real life, <laughs> we have to, you know. Yeah, well, today I am here to talk about where I'm from home, Lebanon. My two parents are Lebanese. As you may know, there's a lot to tell about Lebanon at the moment. Before starting, I'd like to say that I'm not entitled to speak on behalf of all Lebanese people. I just want to share my experience, but also provide maybe a simple explanation of what is going on because people don't really understand because of the massive amount of information that we see every day on social media or whatever, it's quite easy to get lost. So as most of you may know, if you follow politics to a certain extent, uh, Lebanon is going through a big crisis, economic and political crisis. We'll divide those two aspects of the crisis and talk through them one by one. If it's okay with you, Lara, we can start talking about the economic crisis that Lebanon is going through. So my first question for you is, is what do you think are the roots of the crisis and what do you think is nourishing the crisis on a day-to-day -day basis? Is the situation improving or just basically getting worse? Okay, so yeah, as you may know, Lebanon is currently going through the worst economic crisis in its history. I would start by saying that Lebanon lives with two different currencies, the dollar and the Lebanese pound. When you say dollars, you mean American dollars, right? Exactly, yeah. Lebanon is like one of the last countries in the world who actually lives with two different currencies. At the moment, with the economic crisis, the country's economy revolves around dollars. If you have dollars, you can survive. And unfortunately, the dollar is quite rare at the moment. It's necessary for everyday life. That added to the fact that the bank system is quite messy. Most Lebanese people struggle to live a daily life without spending an astronomical amount of Lebanese pound on daily basis things. Can you give us an example of everyday thing that whose price went up very quickly? Of course. So the Lebanese pound has lost 95% of its value in two years of economic crisis. So you can imagine that buying sanitary protection for women, bread, or any basic product that a Lebanese person uses on a daily and, basis. And oil as well, right? So petrol oil. to Yes, your car. for your car. That was very complicated. There was a moment where people would queue for hours to get some petrol and then they would pay a lot of money for a indeed, small amount. Indeed, and that this is why the black market in Lebanon has grown so much. Uh, a year ago when I was there, people were waiting for entire nights, nights to get oil for their cars. The situation creates a lot of conflict and tensions between everybody, which is very sad to see. And if you add to that the COVID-19 crisis, which didn't help anybody, this is very messy. And on top of that, the explosion in August 2020, that was the worst. I think this was the cherry on the top of the problem. It, it, was, the, it was the biggest non-nuclear bomb 
ever, right? Yes, exactly. So I think that this is the turning point where Lebanese people are starting to lose their hope, but also it achieved them to a level that I've never seen before. There was a huge like social (laughs) coalition. (laughs) Coalition. Everybody was trying to help each other. And so as a Lebanese person that was in Lebanon throughout the crisis, did you see anything that was shocking where it really hit you like, oh my God, this is the biggest crisis the country has been through? Electricity. Basically, Lebanon had always had like a problem with electricity. It's quite a difficult process, but this time it got worse because for people who didn't have the money to get a generator, they had maybe like four hours of electricity per day, which is very difficult to survive, especially during summer. Summer in Lebanon is very tough. It's very hot. I would say that this was the most shocking to me, seeing people not being able to have electricity right in their because homes. if you don't have electricity it's not just like putting light on no it's, it's also your the fridge, ac the... the fridge the ac everything exactly. people were getting sick because you're not able to put some food in your fridge and so apart from the crisis and everything all the problems that having multiple currencies leads to how do you function as a country when you have two currencies can you pay in one and then they give you back the other one for instance this summer you go to a restaurant you order something and then when your bill comes you can give dollars and the guy can give you either Lebanese pounds back or dollars as well. From a political point of view, how has the political situation evolved in Lebanon recently and how do you think it's contributing to the global crisis that is going on in the country? That's a that's a tough question to answer in like 10 minutes but everybody say all, all my guests say that I ask <laughs> tough questions I'm sorry yes so politically Lebanon is very divided Lebanon is a semi-presidential system that is confessionalist so there are 18 different confessions in Lebanon right um, just for the people that don't know what it is like me <laughs> what is confessionalism <laughs> So the goal basically is to represent those 18 confessions politically. The concept comes from colonization. So like, for instance, the president is Christian Maronite and can only be Christian Maronite. And so if you want to be president, you have to be Christian Maronite. You can't be president and be like Muslim or Jewish or anything else. Exactly. Like the prime minister is and can only be a Muslim Sunni. So this is what confessionalism is, right? It's when religion and politics are intertwined. Exactly, exactly. That that I think that's the best definition you can give. <laughs> so on the paper, it looks kind of good to try to represent everybody. But in real life, it really divides people. People, of course, not everyone, but in my experience, people are very attached to their religion in Lebanon, so they prioritize religion when voting. Apart from that, the government is highly corruptive. They just want to fill their pockets. There was even a big scandal concerning international helps. Lebanese people were all over social media to say that if a country wants to help by sending money after the Beirut explosion, it might not end in the hands of like well-intentioned people. And so do you feel like religion is preventing representatives from coming to common conclusions about different political decisions? Yes, to, to a certain extent, yes. And you don't have to forget the fact that Lebanon is in the middle of like so many international conflicts at the moment. Mm-hmm. For instance, the war in Syria that started in 2009. Lebanon has welcomed 1.5 million Syrian refugees, which means a quarter of the Lebanese population. Like, that's a lot. And unfortunately, it created a lot of tensions in the country because they arrived massively in a very short amount of time. 
and the government put very strict laws on them, so immigrants themselves struggled very much during the crisis and even before that. Moreover, there's the fact that for two years, uh, the Lebanese government was kind of unstable or unexistent. Well, you know, corruption is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna justify it that way. Lebanon is very corrupted. And so what does that mean for the younger generation or the people that can afford to? They stay in Lebanon or do they have to leave the country? Oh yeah, I wanted. I really wanted to talk about this because I believe that the new generation is the key to save our country. I see a lot of Lebanese people here in London or everywhere around the world that are here to like study, but also they're thinking about the future of their country. They're not leaving forever and not wanting to return home anymore. So I feel like for our younger generation, it's quite complicated. I think all Lebanese people went through this identity crisis when you don't really know where you're from anymore because you have to leave your own country because the situation is complicated but then you still want to be attached to your roots to me and some of my friends that's really the case there is a huge diaspora in latin america especially in brazil this is where there are like the biggest amount of lebanese people how many lebanese people are in brazil i would say six millions number very quick fact <laughs> check <laughs> between seven and ten million people oh you were not too far that's such a huge amount when you consider that the lebanese Population? You guys can't see, but there's so many things going on here. <laughs> That's such a huge amount when you consider that the Lebanese population is like 7 million. Yeah, so there's more more Lebanese people out of the country than in the country. Exactly. This is why it's one of the biggest diasporas in the entire world. Yeah, and about the younger generation, there were a lot of protests that have been made, especially after the bomb of 2020. This is the moment where I think you guys have seen the most information on social media because there was also a huge boom on social media. You know that when there's uh, something that is happening, there's like a big wave where everyone shares a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that was at this moment. And I think it's important to still like notice it and talk about it because it's very important to know that some people are still fighting for the situation to get better. By the way, I just wanted to tell you that if you're able to donate, do not hesitate to donate to the Lebanese Red Cross. It would really help. It would be great and any contribution counts. I've talked about everything that is not going well at the moment, <laughs> but I'm also here to say that Lebanon is still a beautiful country with amazing landscapes, very nice people and amazing food. Very quick parenthesis, what's your favorite Lebanese food? My favorite Lebanese dish is mulukhiye. It's basically Lebanese spinach with like meat and garlic and rice and sauce. <laughs> that looks very good. You know what? I'm gonna go to Tesco, get a meal deal, and think about what you just said when I eat it. Um, on a more personal level, you told me before the podcast, and also because we're friends in real life, <laughs> you told me that you personally saw the war and went through the war when you were younger uh, in 2006. Can you tell us about your personal experience and how you feel like it has shaped your who you are today? Personally, it did not affect my image of what I think about Lebanon. I think nothing would. I was there in 2006 for the 33 days war with Israel. They bombed Lebanon, the south of Lebanon. I live in the south and I had to go to Cyprus with my family in order to escape because the situation was quite traumatic. I would say that this is very traumatic for older generations more. For instance, my parents who lived the war in the 70s from the 90s in Lebanon. Personally, I was five years old, so it impacted me. You have the journey of the boat that is 
not very fun. And then we took a plane from Cyprus to France, but I'm very grateful that today I can go to Lebanon. Thank you very much, Lara, for coming. Thank you for having me today. We just, we said that before at the beginning as well. Oh. It's all right, but I'm also thankful at the end. <laughs> thankful throughout the entire process. So if you guys want to listen to more episodes of Let's Chat Politics, please subscribe to the Spotify channel. You just have to like it and then it's going to be in your following thing and then you'll find us very easily. You can also follow us on Instagram, KCL Politics. If you have any questions, if you want to feature on the show, you have an interesting story to share that is uh, related to politics or history, please text us on Instagram and we reply to all DMs. Thanks again for listening. See you very soon. And next week, we will have a new guest and it's a surprise.